0: Father, I give you the praise for this time, for this season. Lord, for the amazing things that you do. <coughs> Father, we come now to hear from you. Father, let it not be me that has heard. Let it only be you. And Father, uh, as the busyness of this season kind of climaxes at this time, Father, may we who have the hope eternal bow before your throne and understand Why? Father, for those who are here this evening and do not have hope eternal, Father, may you in the power of your spirit show them why. To your praise and glory in Christ's name, amen. Those of you who know me know that uh, special events and things like that are my very most, most difficult times for me to try to bring a text to teach something and um, I mean how many Christmas stories must we hear Uh, I mean you know it's on TV uh, it's in Time magazine it's in uh, US news Uh, CNN did a special on it and I'm still trying to figure that one out Uh, the History Channel had a uh, a two-hour special on the legend of Jesus um, CBS has done a thing on the walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And so when I come to a time to share with you Jesus, um, what do I tell you to do? If, if you haven't figured it out by now, what am I going to add to it? But as I was pondering all of this, if you look in your little bulletins, you'll see that I wrote the message would be called. Why? Why was this baby born in Bethlehem in the city of David? Why did wise men come and exalt him as king? Why did God grace him to the family of Joseph and Mary? Why did he live for 33 years? Why did he have a ministry that for all intents and purposes would seem ineffective? Why was he horribly beaten, mocked, crucified? Why? Well, you should know that, preacher. You know, we know that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Why? Well, he was supposed to fill out, you know, 158 prophecies, and he had... God wrote the prophecies. Why did God set a standard? That said, without the shedding of blood, there must be, there is no forgiveness for sin. Why did God want to do it that way? Why did God, why didn't He just show up full grown, stand in Jerusalem, and uh, give the ultimatum? He's going to do that in the future. He's just coming back, and it is all over but the crying. Why must this child? That we who believe, believe it is God incarnate. God take on the veil of humanity. Why? Why must the word become flesh and dwell among us? Why must he um, suffer heartache, pain and sorrow as we do? Why did he do that? He spoke existence into being. Why was what I was pondering. And you know what? I beseeched the throne and asked him, Why? Why this plan, this way? Why the nation of Israel? Why the seed of Abraham? Why the covenant was made? Why? 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 And he showed me. There's a very good reason. Very simplistic reason. I mean, it's almost... uh, I'm embarrassed... As simple as it was. Let me ask you a question. Anybody have a little stress building up to this night? I did. My wife was sharing with me yesterday uh, the Christmas Eve service and how the order was going to go into it and how we were going to pull it together and, and all the rest of it. And I said, well, we don't need to be that big a hurry about it because it's a week away. I had not even begun thinking of Christmas shopping. This morning, I took off with a handful of vitamin B12 and proceeded to press my way through the masses. Uh, I heard on the radio going out that if you don't believe it's Christmas Eve, note how many men are shopping. You know what? They were right. I was like... uh, Somebody said, uh, one of the news people this morning, the weather lady said, if you want to find a man, today's the do-it. The men are all out shopping. <laughs> and then I, there I stood in the middle of multiple stores trying to figure out what it was I was here for. Has anybody had stress of their job? Has anybody had stress with health problems? Has anybody had uh, the heartache and the heartbreak of broken relationships. Has anybody put their hope in something only to have it dashed and crashed? Have you ever planned anything and watched it just destroy itself before your very eyes? Have you ever had to say goodbye to a loved one who stepped into eternity? Have you ever had to uh, see the heartache of a friend or a family member who was sentenced to prison. Have you ever seen the heartache that is on television every day of natural disasters? Two people died just the other day in an earthquake in California. Why? Because of the writer of Hebrews chapter two verse fourteen tells us: Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise. "...also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had power of death, that is, the devil. And he might free those who through fear of death are subject to slavery all of their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things." so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. I like that. The first reason that God had to be born as an infant by a virgin in a manger in Bethlehem, a feed trough in Bethlehem, is that He might render powerless Him who had the power of death. you ever thought about that? Many of us in this room have had death touch us. Uh, Some of us, very closely, some of us, uh, aunts, uncles, uh, things to that assortment. But I think all of us, for some extent, have been exposed to some death, Uh, even if it is the children. uh, The children uh, may see it on the news. Um, Perhaps they've had a grandparent. Uh, And then some in this room this night, some have had parents who have died. And if you watch our society and watch the people, what is the single greatest fear that lurks? It hasn't changed. It is the fear of death. That's why we have doctors. That's why we have the medical system and nurses and tests and research. Uh, that's why we're all well. Some of us, better yet, some of you, are exercising. Because you're going to what? Stave off the inevitable? I had a grandfather, our great-grandfather, who lived to be 104. And I remember talking to him at his 100th birthday. And he said that he had, got, he could, he had lived a life where he had gotten a ticket for rearing a horse in downtown Miamisburg and had seen man walk on the moon. That was his life. But he said the greatest tragedy was he had outlived his family. All he had left was grandkids and great-grandkids. Yet this God who could speak existence into being said that he took on flesh and blood. He partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless he who has power over death. Secondly, that he would free those who through the fear of death are subject to slavery all their life. Subject to slavery all their life. He removed he who has the power of death, the devil, Satan. That is his greatest tool. But now he says, not only that, I can remove the fear of death so that you are no longer in bondage to it. I've had a couple of funerals that I've been involved in and I've had some dear friends who have gone on to glory. I remember early in my ministry, I thought that perhaps my ministry was to minister to dying people. And I thought, that's exciting. And yet, when I go to funerals or whether I am there speaking or whether I am there as support of the family, it is very, very easy to see those who understand the Christ child and those who do not. Those who do not understand that God came in our bodies cannot understand what eternity is. All they know is that someone very dear to them is gone. And they become slaves to it. It is a fear. It's always in the back of our minds. When people have tests, I have to go in for a test. I have to go in for an MRI. I have to go in for a CAT scan. I have to go in for this. My blood test showed this. This has happened. What is the first thing that comes to mind? And yet he said this person came in the veil of humanity so that he could remove the power of death. And he would also free those who through the fear of death were subject to the slavery. Why? If you have a master who threatens to kill you, he probably has your attention, doesn't he? Do this or you shall die. Right? You know why Peter... Denied Christ three times. He feared for his life. You know why the disciples were gone and scattered at his crucifixion? They feared for their life. And yet at the resurrection, you couldn't keep them shut up. Why? Do you see what he did? I'm into it. See, that's the thing that I listen to the shows and read the articles that I laugh. Because they all have their reasonings for this man, Jesus. Well, it's obvious he thought he was Messiah, one newspaper article wrote. Yeah, he did think he was Messiah. Okay? It is awful. Also, uh, they speak that he was this political activist. (laughs) How silly was that? But the one thing that they always ponder that they can't understand was... When they arrested him, all of his immediate followers scattered. And yet after his death and burial, they were willing to die for a dead man. What changed them? We're looking within 30 days. I know why. You know who know him know why. But those who are pondering such historical significance still don't understand it. I heard a, a theologian and it she was female, and I'm not going to get into that. Claim that the conclusions that the reason that they could do this is that they were all in denial. <laughs> sure you were. Okay? Peter, history says, was crucified upside down and he did it in denial? I don't think so. Verse 16 of this text says, For surely he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. The literal Greek translation for that is he does not take hold of the angels, but he takes hold of the descendants Actually, he says he takes hold of the seed of Abraham. Okay, The Jews and the Arabs are fighting over who daddy is right now. That's what they've been fighting for, for as long as you and I can remember. And I will tell you emphatically, Abraham is both of their fathers. But what is really cool about it is, you who sit here tonight as a Gentile, Abraham is your father also. And it says that he does not take hold. And it literally means to grab a hold and assist somebody up. He says he doesn't help angels. But he says he helps those who are descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. How cool is that? Let me tell you how cool it is. Because in verse 10, he lays it out how cool it is. It was fitting for him for whom all things and through whom all things in bringing many sons to glory. Literally what it's saying is this man, Jesus, who are all things, nothing exists without him. And through him are all things. Nothing happens Without him, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. The author, the author is the one who creates the novel. This perfect novel on salvation came through Christ's sufferings. But it's still, why? Why didn't he just eradicate sin? Why didn't when Adam and Eve sinned, he just obliterate them and start over? Well, it says here, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Do you understand what that means? We have some young people here tonight who have stepped into the great abyss, I call it, they are in love. You'll see, it's a great abyss. Okay? And you can sit and say, "What? Well, you don't. Yeah, I do. Trust me. Okay? What would you do if your love was only infinite? What would hurt you then? We have pain in our bodies. Uh, I used to be an electrician. And um, in the winter, I used to wear these uh, the beggar's gloves, wool gloves, because you needed to keep your fingers so you could do wire nuts and splice wires and weird stuff like that. But in new construction, I never did understand that. In new construction, you'd go into a home that was all shady. It's zero outside, and you're standing in the shade, pulling wire and stapling and crimping and cutting wire and all the rest of it. And you could keep your finger dexterity, but the bulk of your hand would stay warm. And it used to be really great until you got home. Of course, you get ready to eat dinner, and what's the first thing you do before you eat dinner? You wash your hands. And as soon as you wash your hands, all the cuts and the pinches and the pokes and the holes speak loudly. And it hurt. Jesus felt pain. He felt physical pain. He also felt emotional pain. He looked upon Jerusalem and said, Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would gather you as a mother gathers her mother hen gathers her chicks, and you would not come. He wept at Lazarus' grave, a man had been buried for several days, and the grief of the of mourning the loss of a brother, of a loved one, it says he wept. The same heartaches that you feel, the same heartaches that every human being has ever had, the sorrow of things not going your way, the sorrow of of the loss of a relationship, the sorrow of the loss of a job, the heartache, the anxiety that you and I have, Uh, deal with on a daily basis. It says he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Why? That he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Did you get that? What heartache have you suffered that Christ hasn't? God of creation suffered every pain that you have ever suffered, He has suffered every temptation. That you have ever suffered. He has suffered every thought that you have suffered, and he did it to the infinite degree, and he did it without ever sinning. Why? So that when his children come to him, he understands. Have you heard it in the political arenas lately? Uh, they make, comedians make fun of it where they'll talk about all the politicians and they'll make this statement, I feel your pain. Have you ever heard that? And you just kind of, no you don't. Jesus feels your pain. Why? He endured everything you did. I mean, did you ever think about it? On the cross, one of the last things—there's many things that is said on the cross, uh, the words that he says—and you know, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Forgive them; they don't know what they're doing. But do you ever notice that there's a thing that happens in there that is so missed at times? He looks down from the cross and he sees his mother. Who's going to take care of mom? The oldest son followed the trade of the father. We know that Joseph was dead because there's no mention of it. He's not there. And yet hanging on the cross. He can look at his mother and say, mother, behold, your son. And then he sees his apostle, John, and says, John. This is your mother. One of the last things he does is make sure that mom is taken care of. Now, do you did you grab that? This is God. He could do one of them Enoch things. I'm out of here and you're going too. You just were, now you're not. But he didn't. He said, Mom, John will take care of you. Why? Because he is a merciful and faithful high priest. The priest is the one who takes people to God. That's what a priest does. And he says he is merciful and faithful. If you read uh, um, in Samuel, the birth of Samuel, okay, and, and how that happened, his mom was heavy with child and she, did, she, did, she wanted a child. She didn't have a child at the time and she wanted a child and she goes out to the steps of the temple and she's weeping and crying and the priest comes out, Eli. Okay? is a faithful man. He's at the temple. He's not merciful. He looks down upon her and says, What are you, drunk? I'm weeping to God. I have no child. And his best conclusion is you're drunk? That's just not really merciful, is it? I mean, I do better than that. Why? He became a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. The writer, when Paul wrote to Corinthian church, he says, There is no temptation has seized you except that that is common to man. And what did he say? God is faithful and does what? Provides a way out that you may stand under the temptation. Why? He's merciful and he's faithful. And see, he walked with us. He walked our roads. He walked our planet. He felt our sorrow, our heartache. He says to make propitiation for the sins of the people. See, the high priest is the one who interceded on behalf of the people. He would make the offering to God on behalf of the sins of the nation. And it says that this man took on all things of his brethren to make propitiation for that. And then he makes this, he says, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he was able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You ever thought about it? the word tempted there is to test, is to try it. Uh, it literally means to see what it's made of. See what's made of. I've been dealing with some, of uh, the saints in the church and some of you and and I ask you I said it's easy to obey God isn't it but do you trust him do you trust him see there's nothing you're going to experience that he hasn't already and he says that he is able to come to those who are being tested who are being tried why have you ever heard this statement you just don't understand what I'm going through. Ever heard that? You ever used it? Guess what? Yes, he does. Even if the person next to you or if your pastor or brother or sister in Christ doesn't, he who we celebrate his birth Does. He was tempted in that which he has suffered. I can't imagine that. See, he suffered something that a believer today can never suffer. Separation from God. I can't, sep- I can't have that. I'll never experience that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty thrilled about it. And yet, how many of us go to him as a last resort? Instead of first resort, I want to close it with this because I want you to understand why. We are flesh and blood, we are the children. And he partook of the same so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest. To all who believe. Okay? Belief is not, I believe. It's not saying a prayer. Belief is, the evidence has persuaded me to the point that I have personally surrendered all that I am and my life validates what I have surrendered to. Because it says that the demons believe and they're afraid. That isn't the belief that saves. The belief that saves is that in the evidence that you have been given, you have been convinced, persuaded in such a way that you're willing to sacrifice it all. Because it says it was fitting for Him, whom all things, through whom all things, and bringing many sons to glory... To perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. Why? For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Do you get that? Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call the Christian brothers. How not ashamed is he? It's cool. I want you to think about this for your holiday. This is my gift from our God. I will proclaim your name to my brethren. Jesus says, He will proclaim the name of His Father God to all of us. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in Him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. We are a gift to God the Father from God the Son. To the point that he will sing our praises in the congregation of heaven. Why? He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified. He who is holy and those who are holy. That's why. Why? Let me put it in the vernacular of today. God can relate to every one of you. There ain't one of you in this room, one of you ever been born on the planet earth that God cannot relate to. He knows what you've been through. He knows your heartache. He knows your anxiety. He knows your fears. He knows the issues you fight with. He knows the struggles of your life. He knows the struggles of your conscience. And he is faithful. Absolutely faithful. And in being faithful, he's also merciful to reach down and give you a hand in all things. That's why Paul, writing the church in Rome, says we have the right to call him Abba, Daddy. I can call him Daddy, God of the universe is my daddy. gives a whole new meaning of my dad can whip your dad, doesn't it? And why did he do it? I will proclaim your name to my brethren... In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. I will put my trust in him. And behold, I and the children who God have given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same. Why? So that you and I can partake of the same. That's the reason. Why were the, the prophecies written? So he could show you. You've heard me use this illustration of myself. Been there, done that. Jesus can look at you when you see him face to face and he can say, been there, done that. And was without sin. Welcome home. True and faithful servant. That's the reason for this time. That's the reason we celebrate the birth of Christ. Why did the Word become flesh? So you will have a faithful high priest who is merciful, who is tempted in all ways and can help you with every single trial you would ever step into. He knows you. He knows what you struggle with. He's been there. He's done that. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for the time. Father, I cannot understand your heartache to be here for the time you were. But Lord, with great joy, I'm glad you came. Father, may we who know you this night take great comfort to know that you are faithful, you are merciful, and that, Father, you are able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Father, may we understand that you who are holy also makes your people holy. And Father, may we understand to proclaim your name to the brethren and sing praise to you and trust in you. And Father, understand the privilege of being a child of the Most High God. Father, before us lays eternity, may we redeem the time To your glory and praise. In Christ's name. Amen.